Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 631. It's being produced live right here at New York City Audubon's new seasonal visitor and education center right in the heart of New York Harbor on beautiful Governor's Island. Uh, in our one day plus here so far, we've seen lots of cool birds from cedar waxwings to fish crows, lots of fish crows, and from killdeer to common terns, nesting common turns that is and we'll talk about turns today as kind of a focus of our show and with us here uh, is the executive director of New York City Audubon Catherine Heinz good morning Catherine good morning Ray so great to have you and thanks for giving us this beautiful spot we're overlooking buttermilk channel and across uh, across the channel we can see some big buildings in Brooklyn yes and a beautiful view of Brooklyn Bridge Park Indeed, and Brooklyn Bridge, just a around the corner. Well, when we talk about birding in New York, Catherine, we, uh, I think many of us think of Central Park, understandably, especially since that HBO documentary, The Central Park Effect, was released a few years ago. But the five boroughs of New York, if I've read this correctly, hold 30,000 acres of open space. That's like 40-plus square miles. So there are many other places besides Central Park to see birds in New York City, right? And this probably would be one of them where we are right now. Yes, that's correct. We have a wonderful network of parks, city parks, state parks, and national parks, uh, and other open spaces in New York City. Well, New York City also has a couple of tall buildings, which is uh, great for people in many ways, but not so great for birds who crash into them. I was just reading another updated statistic here that as many as a billion birds die in collisions with buildings in North America every year. But you are doing something about that here in New York City with a program called D-Bird, not to be confused with E-Bird, but D-Bird. Tell us uh, something about that, if you would. Well, D-Bird is a program, the D is actually for dead bird. It's a citizen science reporting program to allow people who find dead birds to report them simply just by going to d-bird.org and you enter what you found and where and it allows our scientists to track hot spots and check out buildings in particular areas where we're finding large incidents of dead birds. And this is something that's been replicated in Minnesota, in Texas, and in Atlanta and we're hoping to, to make it a much bigger project going forward. Okay, I wondered about that, whether other cities were, were adopting this, because that is such a big problem. This is just kind of by coincidence. I just happened to see this from uh, this great publication called The Birding Community E-Bulletin, uh, Wayne Peterson and Paul Basich. And it's talking about uh, what they describe here as a refreshing move of bipartisanship. Illinois Democratic Rep Mike Quigley and Virginia Republican Rep Morgan Griffith have introduced the Federal Bird Safe Buildings Act and designed to direct the General Services Administration to incorporate bird safe building materials and design features into federal buildings. That sounds like a pretty good step forward. 
that's a great step forward. And in fact, um, as as more and more people and public buildings and uh, are concerned about LEED certification and healthy buildings, one aspect of a healthy building is a bird safe building. And there is a pilot credit for bird safe in the LEED certification process. And it's fantastic that the federal government would like its buildings to be bird safe. Another aspect of bird safe is turning lights out during migration season. And in New York State, the governor here has declared that all state-owned buildings have their lights turned out during migration season. We have a big success story here, too, in New York City with the Javits Center, right, which used to be known as, I guess, the bird-killing building of New York, and now it's transformed. Yes, the Jacob K. Javits Convention Center in New York was a tremendous bird killer, and when they uh, built the building of glass, it was quite stunningly beautiful, but they had a lot of issues with um, excessive heat or cold and decided to renovate the building. And when they did, they had the vision to uh, work with a, an architecture firm called FX Fowl that um, brought in the bird safe element and they've used fritted glass and retrofitted the glass surrounding the building and they have a seven acre green roof on top and the new building the new expansion will continue that bird safe trend and green roof trend it's really extraordinary and they've cut the uh, bird death by 90 percent we estimate wow 90 percent more with Catherine Heinz in just a little bit including news about a turn festival, a shorebird festival, and are you ready? Birding by subway. Hey, we want to say thank you to our newest ambassador in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program, and it's our first ambassador from the Aloha State, Rich Downs in Honolulu, Hawaii, and he writes to us and says, with Hawaii now incorporated into the ABA area of coverage, there's increasing interest on the mainland in the birds of Hawaii. He says, I'd be happy to suggest some stories for you to spotlight and put you in touch with some of the people behind them. Thank you, Rich. I'm sure we will take you up on that. Talking Birds listeners, please join Rich in our Talking Birds Ambassadors program. Hand out some of our cards to your friends and associates and spread the word about our show about and about birds and conservation. It's easy to do and easy to sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the ambassador option. That's the Become an Ambassador option by the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. No G in talking. Tim, can we play the sound of our mystery bird and do a little preview of our mystery bird contest? I hear it. I hear it. Our mystery bird. A little description of our mystery bird. It's a medium-sized, graceful flyer, brownish-black on its back and long wings, along with a deeply forked tail. Its undersides are mostly white, and it's black on the crown and back of the head with a large white patch on the forehead. Our bird, which spends most of its time at sea, nesting off Florida, Louisiana, and Texas, hovers and then swoops downward to take fish, even flying fish, from the water's surface. That's our mystery bird. This is just a preview of our mystery bird contest uh, coming along in just a little bit. On our blog this week, why hummingbirds and bees tend not to favor the same flowers. That's on this week's blog written by our own Debbie Bleacher and easily found at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor for more top-quality backyard birding advice in our Let's Ask Mike segment. Also more with Katherine Heinz from New York City Audubon. And up next, a bird that kind of defies expectations is today's featured feathered friend. Time now for 
Ask the expert. Okay, a tern is a bird that plunge dives into the ocean, right? Well, not necessarily. Well, a tern is a bird that has a slender, pointed bill, yes? Um, not necessarily. Well, it does depend on fish for its food, am I right? Well, not necessarily. Okay, so what kind of a tern doesn't fit with these uh, attributes? Well, the gull-billed tern. Have you heard of it? Uh, not necessarily. Well, have you heard of the gull-billed tern? Unlike most other terns, it generally doesn't dive for fish and doesn't even usually eat fish, feeding instead on insects and small crabs and other prey that it picks up from the ground or in the air or in bushes. It's even known to eat small chicks of other tern species. Here in North America, the gull-billed tern is found near salt water where it breeds on sandy or gravelly beaches, then winters in salt marshes and estuaries and plowed fields. The gull-billed tern is medium-sized and stocky with a black cap and breeding plumage, pale gray wings and a white body. Its legs and that gull-like bill are black. And it sounds like this. The gull-billed tern. It's today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, and it may show up soon as a mystery bird. Although, not necessarily. Thanks again for being with us here on our show number 631, emanating today from New York City Audubon's new seasonal visitor and education center, right in the heart of New York Harbor on beautiful Governor's Island. Catherine Heinz, the executive director of New York City Audubon, is with us. So you can see we're kind of turn oriented here today. Yesterday we went out and saw some common terns nesting on one of the piers uh, right here on Governor's Island. And so that is part of a big program that's going on now for tern restoration. Tell us a bit about it. Yes, well, common terns aren't that common uh, for nesting in New York City. And they do like to nest on the piers on the Buttermilk Channel side of Governor's Island. And uh, those piers uh, are in varying states of use or decay and uh, we, we've had nesting turns um, for a few years and we've been tagging them for the past three and one of the things we've done this year is uh, put up yodocks that create a barrier and crushed oyster shell. Last year we had no turns on one section of the pier called Lima, named for its L shape, and uh, had Max a, a um, uh, herding dog run out on the on the piers twice a day to make sure gulls didn't didn't take over that prime nesting area and used some other techniques to keep the gulls from nesting until the terns arrived and this year where last year we had none this year there are 33 nests and 66 breeding birds on that pier and we estimate on its neighboring pier tango 60 pairs so 120 birds and we've uh, have quite a number of successful nests and this week we are seeing the chicks starting to run around. Well, we saw some yesterday, pretty pretty exciting. What was that yodok thing that you mentioned? A yodok is a, a portable piece that fills with water or sand that creates a barrier. And so on a working dock like Lima that has construction vehicles, we put up the yodoks and it creates a, an area that, that 
keeps the human beings out um, and the terns have returned and, and are nesting there and very happy because they're protected from anyone encroaching on their space. You don't have any dogs that are chasing the human beings out there, just the gulls, right? <laughs> just, just the gulls. Well, you're not only restoring turns, but you're also celebrating turns, right? Uh, turn Festival, if I'm not mistaken, uh, next weekend. Yes, on July 8th from noon to 4, we celebrate turns with uh, expert bird walks and talks and hands-on activities for the whole family. We do some arts and crafts activities um, and have uh, an appearance by a uh, five-and-a-half-foot-tall turn. We have some, yeah, very, very uh, fun and, and actually speaks, in, speaks English and can interact with the public. And... Uh, so um, we encourage people to come out and celebrate the turns just at this point where the chicks are still visible as chicks and they haven't quite fledged yet. Um, they can really be enjoyed at this peak period for, for turn watching here on the island. And another festival coming up, this one's in, in August for everybody visiting New York City in late August, the Jamaica Bay Shorebird Festival. Yes, this is our 12th annual Jamaica Bay uh, Shorebird Festival, and we meet at the Jamaica Bay Wildlife Refuge, which is part of the National Park Service's Gateway National Recreation Area, the only national park that you can get to by subway. Wow. There, there's a, there's a, a unique aspect to Jamaica Bay. Well, by the way, PBS had a documentary, I guess, a couple of years ago, I'm not sure of the date, uh, called Saving... Jamaica Bay. They described it as telling the story of how one community fought government inaction and overcame Hurricane Sandy to clean up and restore the largest open space in New York City. What can you tell us about that Saving Jamaica Bay project? That's a big deal. Sure. Saving Jamaica Bay is a film uh, made by a man named Dan Hendrick that features um, a community in the Broad Channel area, which runs right through the middle of Jamaica Bay, um, fighting very strongly to um, create a healthy bay and a healthy ecosystem there and to help restore that area um, that was really ravaged by the storm. And what's interesting is they made the film before the storm and were just about finished when the storm came and they were able to film the storm and then incorporate that into the story. And you can really see the importance of replanting grasses, um, the islands that are in the middle of the bay must be maintained. This is the buffer that the shore needs to be protected, to protect people, to protect property. Um, taking away that natural ecosystem does a great deal of damage. But the film does a beautiful job of showing the importance of the bay to people and to birds and sort of the dean of, of uh, Jamaica Bay, Don Reapy, who's, who's quite a celebrity there, is quite featured in the film and will be at the, the Shorebird Festival on August 26th. We mentioned subway before and birding by subway. This is a whole thing that's, I wanted to ask you if other cities have copied this, but tell us a little bit about birding by subway here in New York City. Sure. Birding by Subway is a, a piece that we've put together to help uh, visitors and um, locals alike find the best birding spots by subway. And we in New York know that the best way to get around is the New York City subway. And our top birding spot in terms of uh, visitors is Central Park, which can easily be accessed by the subway either side, uh, top and bottom. Our next favorite spot is Jamaica Bay, which can be accessed by you take the A train. Um, 
and our third favorite spot is Prospect Park and we go through and we have we highlight about 20 spots uh, in the city that you can reach by subway and that brochure is available to anybody who would like to reach me at info at nycaudubon.org I'd be happy to send that piece out to anyone visiting New York or living in New York that would like to have it. New York City bird birding capital of the northeast it, it sounds like with all these amazing places to uh watch birds and birding by subway um Catherine, let's wrap up this part with a little bit about uh, new york city audubon how do people find out about you guys and what you're doing sure um ray we um can be found online at www.nycaudubon.org and you can sign up for our e-news bulletin that comes out once or twice a month with updates on events right there online and it's free um, people can join us as a member we are an affiliated chapter with the national audubon society so we are the local chapter for the five boroughs of new york city um, a lot of our emphasis is on uh, the urban environment for birds and we do offer trips and classes and workshops and we do a great deal of conservation work focused on urban habitats so green roofs building structures and collisions um, the uh, creating habitats and maintaining and protecting the, the few habitats we have but really using that park network um, or mosaic of park spaces around the city to uh, look at habitat through science. Catherine Heinz, Executive Director of New York City Audubon. Catherine, thanks for having us out here and thanks for giving us this beautiful view. Oh, you're welcome. And, and uh, for those of you who are here in New York or on the East Coast, today's a spectacularly beautiful day and I ordered that just for you. And the Queen Mary, too, is parked just across the uh, channel here. Coming up next here, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. It kind of freaks me out that some people actually go through their trash to pull out recyclables. That's not for me. Maria Inez Phillips talks about not recycling. I've got too many newspapers and magazines and catalogs in there with plastic containers and bottles and cans. In your recycling bin? No, in my trash. Your trash can is full of recyclables? No, it's full of trash. You say trash, Maria. I say rubbish. Whatever it is, I'm not going through it. I don't even know what they do with recyclables. They make more of the things you use, Maria. More newspapers, more bottles and cans. Out of a bunch of trash? I just don't get it. Some things are very obvious, Maria. Recycling creates jobs and protects the environment. Is that important to you? It is, which is why I put my trash where it belongs. Learn the difference between trash and recycling and more on our website, yougottobekidding.org. I put out way too much trash to think about recycling. See why recycling is not rubbish. Visit yougottobekidding.org today. Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at, at birds.cornell.edu. That's birds.cornell.edu. If you're not hearing our show live, here's a tip. You can do so by uh, listening online. Just go to TalkingBirds.com to see how to do it. It is uh, a very, very easily done. The number for our mystery bird contest, we urge you to call as soon as possible, is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Our prize this morning is the Droll Yankees original, iconic A6F classic tube feeder. Invented in 1969 by Droll Yankees founder Peter Killam and brought back by popular demand in 2000.
15. That's our prize. 781-837-4900 is the number. Here's the sound of our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized, graceful flyer, brownish-black on its back and long wings, along with a deeply forked tail. Its undersides are mostly white, and it's black on the crown and back of the head with a large white patch on the forehead. Our bird, which spends most of its time at sea, nesting off Florida, Louisiana, and Texas here in the U.S., hovers and then swoops downward to take fish, including flying fish from the water's surface. That's our mystery bird. Tell us what it is or take a guess. No correct answer, as always. We'll determine the winner of, beautiful, of a beautiful uh, Droll Yankees feeder. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Meanwhile, do you have house finches nesting in your Christmas wreath that you left up on the back uh, door? Uh, a lot of people have, a, have a, questions about uh, house finches and, you know, how to handle them when they're at your house. So Mike O'Connor will be here to tell us the answer to that, uh, those uh, questions on our Let's Ask Mike live segment in just one minute. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we're getting ready to go to the Galapagos Islands. We'll be heading there in September, and we're inviting Talking Birds listeners to join us for this trip of a lifetime with one of the best small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. More cabins have been added, but this trip will be sold out, so don't hesitate. Travel with us to one of the most amazing places in the world, home to abundant and approachable wildlife, including birds that are found nowhere else on Earth, even Galapagos penguins with whom we'll snorkel. They're the islands where Charles Darwin's research led to the groundbreaking theory of the origin of species, and we'll be there during the season when sunshine is abundant and birds and mammals are most active. Galapagos veterans rave about our tour's itinerary. We'll see places and creatures that other tours don't. I'll be your host for this unforgettable trip, along with expert local guides. Please join us. It's easy to find out more at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. We're in New York by the water, and he is on Cape Cod by the water. He is Mike O'Connor, and I think he's on the phone with us now, but we don't know for sure, so let's find out. Good morning, Mike. You never know what these live shows, Ray, do you? <laughs> live radio, anything can happen, and with us it usually does. But anyway, hey, uh, great got, to... I like your uh, show. Uh, I'm telling you, I, Yo Doc is the best thing I've heard in a long time. Yo Doc, that Yo can Doc. be used That's in cool, many I different think, ways. I think I'm going like to work that into a column somehow. That's like my favorite word right now. I like it, yeah. So we're also uh, we're, we're, we're talking about uh, house finches. It's interesting because this is a bird, that it, it's a native bird, but if you're in the east... It's not a native to the east. Somebody had a great idea to take these birds from the west coast, and I don't know when this was, Mike, maybe you do, that, and decided to truck them back east and uh, let people here see them, and they've kind of exploded in population in the years since. And uh, so here we are with a kind of a semi-invasive species in the east. No, you're absolutely right, and and happened right where you are in New York. Some genius decided to capture... Uh, house finches in California and brought them back east and sold them in, in uh, 1939 as Hollywood finches, kind of like a gimmick. And, you know, back then people like yeah. to keep birds in cages, and I, I think a few people still do. But it's a native bird, and that's illegal. So, to, uh, so when the feds got wind of it, uh, they went after the guy, and, you know, to hide the evidence, they just let the birds go, which 
should have been okay, and but the birds have a, a very adaptable, and the population exploded. Now they've went from the western part of the country to the, pretty much the entire country. From that population, they've exploded, and you know, I'm, and I don't know if there's any long term, you know, that probably compete with a few native species from the east, but they're an enjoyable backyard bird, and they come and they and they nest a lot in people's yards actually and then less than christmas tree wreaths a lot of people forget to take theirs down and then poof, there's a bird in there or they nest on porch lights and they also nest on hanging plants and i get a lot of requests from this people say i got a, a bird nesting in my hanging plant usually a hanging plant under a porch or something and they want to buy a birdhouse so the birds can go in there well house finches in the east typically don't go in birdhouses they want to go to the hanging plants for a reason and so I tell people it's cheaper to buy another hanging plant than to run out and buy a bird house for them, which they're not going to use. So just let them have the plant. And then they wonder, well, can I water it? You absolutely can. You know, you can take the, the hanging plant down and water it. You know, these are birds. They're outside. A little water isn't going to hurt a, a bird egg. Bird eggs are waterproof. You can just water them. And then eventually the, the baby house finches will hatch. And that's interesting. You can actually take the nest down, you know, and show it to the kids, show it to the family members, water the plant, and then hang it back up, and the babies will hunker down, and then as soon as you do, the parents will come right back. You know, these birds nest around us. They actually, one of the few birds that actually like people for some reason, and they like our dwellings, and they'll, they'll come, even if they nest on your porch light, we, we, the building we are now uh, used to be a candle shop back when every store on the Cape was a candle shop. And they nested right on the um, porch, or light, right by the front door, and they were successful every year. And this is a business, and people going in and out of that door constantly. But the birds adapt to people, and they might take off a nanosecond when people go through, and then they come right back. So if you've got house finches, enjoy them. Don't be afraid to use your side door or your front door. And if you have a hanging plant, don't be afraid to water it. You know, you don't want to dump a gallon on the babies, but you can water around the nest hang it back up, take a look at them, take some photos, put them on Facebook. It's a kind of a fun bird to have around. All right. and, and these birds are from Hollywood, so they're used to, well, you know, tourists and everything, people right, watching and them, cameras. taking pictures of them. So right, and no if wonder you're really concerned, so then you can put some yo docks around the bird nest for a while. Yo docks. I was going to say, you know, the, they call them Hollywood finches. That probably helped their popularity, just <laughs> like yo docks. Right, yeah, I'm sure it help, <laughs> helped with the gimmick of, of selling them illegally. That's another story. Mike, thank you. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sure, when you're back and back in uh, Massachusetts. Enjoy your trip out there, Ray. We are indeed. Thank you, Mike. Bye -bye. Mike O'Connor down at the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. We're back here at beautiful Governor's Island in New York Harbor. We're trying to get our calls coming through on our mystery bird contest. We seem to have a little bit of a hang-up on that. Fortunately, we have Catherine Heights here with us, who's the executive director of New York City Audubon. Why don't we talk to her for another moment here while we have a chance? Because we talked earlier, Catherine, about the fact that there are so many uh, birding places uh, in New York, and this is on all the five boroughs, right? So that's how you get all these what, 30,000 acres of uh, grasslands and woods and lots of bird habitat. Sure. Uh, we also offer bird walks, uh, free bird walks in Van Cortland Park in the Bronx. Uh, Pelham Bay Park in the Bronx is another wonderful place. Uh, Long Island Sound to go and see birds, shorebirds, long-legged wading birds, as well as, as the land birds. And... Um, 
on Staten Island, the Fresh Kills landfill, which was the world's largest landfill, is now capped and spectacular habitat and is uh, home to a colony of uh, breeding grasshopper sparrows. Um, it's really, really coming into its own now as amazing habitat. And at the Queen's Botanical Garden, we give free bird walks there as well. But I do have to say that while you were playing your mystery bird, there was a cedar waxwing tweeing over our heads. And if you uh, would like to see cedar waxwings, we're seeing them here every day on Governor's Island. Well, I think we've seen three since we've been here. I don't know if we'll have time to even get to one of our calls at this point. I think we're going to have to wrap up and say thanks again to Catherine Heinz and to New York City Audubon. And We'd like to say thank you to our friends from Birds and Beans for making this special broadcast from Governor's Island with New York City Audubon possible. Birds and Beans, the good coffee. Please check them out at birdsandbeans.com. Next week, author, international bird trip leader and birding expert extraordinaire Wayne Peterson will be here as an in-studio guest when we're back in the studio to tell us about his new foray into the world of great music with birds included. Our executive producer, Mark Duffield, associate producer and today's on-site producer engineer was Debbie Bleacher, engineering back at the studio, Tim McKenney. And thanks to the Trust for Governor's Island for accommodating us here. I'm Ray Brown. Thanks for caring about the birds and the planet they inhabit. And we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. By Birds and Beans Shade Grown Bird Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.